0: hey hello welcome back
1: yeah uh back in the land of pickup trucks and fast food
0: <laughs> at least you didn't say land of the free uh, <laughs> land of yeah, the expensive health care
1: yeah i didn't you know luckily didn't have any experience with that
0: <laughs> yeah everyone always is gonna ask like what was your favorite part of your trip i'm asking what was your favorite meal of your trip
1: these are linked to because there it's also my favorite part
0: uh we (laughs) good answer
1: (laughs) we went to this um to this farm out in rural france and southern france there uh in a little village called barjac Mm. and my brother-in-law he knew people there he was friends with them and we had stayed at one of their houses and it was cool we got to see like the farmer they had this like organic farm and stuff out there and we got to see them do on all that and talk with them as they were working and stuff. Got to have some mulled wine with the village like at, in there. Their, the, they had just one street that uh, went through the village and they had a little like farmer's stand sort of thing that they, you know, fulfilled people's orders that would come in and pick up stuff.
0: Oh, that's very they'd cute. They'd have like
1: mulled wine out there and talk about the day, I guess. Or ask the strange Americans about America. You know, that was also. <laughs> 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 and yeah, we so we stayed with this guy. A friend of my brother-in-law's and and we had this home cooked meal with all these like farm fresh ingredients Ugh. and everything had like a a salad and like some rice with uh sausage sauce type thing ooh and sheep's milk cheese
0: oh how was that is that creamier than regular cheese
1: well this was a hard cheese oh, okay um, okay but it was really good i don't know i loved it yeah it was excellent
0: it sounds amazing.
1: It was simple too. It was, you know, he was like, "Sorry, this is just kind of simply." But like,
0: <laughs> you're like, "This is great."
1: There were fantastic ingredients. There were also this this this, this bread uh with um it was kind of like a fa- fancy bagel bite, but like homemade because it was like a little <laughs> bread slice with uh some of that sauce on there and Ooh. cheese. Uh, toasted up, but like I don't know, it was it was funny how it was so simple, but it was so elevated by being like right there by your, yeah, by your ingredients and stuff, and like knowing how they were made and all that.
0: That's so cool. I love that. It was great. That's awesome. Okay, well, <laughs> we're gonna go from like bougie sauce of France to <laughs> to somewhere else.
1: All right, uh, let us begin today's story. What are you gonna teach us about today?
0: Today, I am going to talk about Asada Shakur. This is largely based on the autobiography she wrote in 1988, uh, which I read. Highly recommend. Super good read. Um, it was available at my local library, so it's probably available at yours. I did have to wait for like two months.
1: <laughs> oh wow!
0: Yeah, this episode was like a long time. In the like, as soon as I got, it, I was like, finally, I could start like putting it on the schedule.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a long time for a hold.
0: It was a long time. I was surprised. Um, so yeah, it's largely based on the book. Um, my I guess my sources, primary source would be the book. Uh, I also supplemented with good old Wikipedia. And I think you could definitely, someone with a different lens could read this book and be like, oh, you know, what if it's not true? That kind of thing. But we're not probably going to be applying that lens here. So if you're looking for like some hard hitting, like, you know, I dug through all the things to see if she's ever lying or whatever, like, that's not what I'm going to be doing today. <laughs>
1: yeah I, let's be honest uh there's probably enough of that out there
0: oh for sure whenever i would like step aside to do a regular google like the word terrorist shows up a lot
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah okay so high level who's this person Assata Shakur was a member of the black liberation army and the black panthers um, she was a political activist and a political prisoner um, and is still currently on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list.
1: She's 75 years old.
0: Yes. <laughs> Clearly planning something big.
1: Listeners, you should aspire to be as hated by the FBI <laughs> when you're
0: 75. That's that's great. That's, that's <laughs> You've done something right, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. So goals.
0: Quick note yes she is related to tupac in what way she is uh his aunt and his godmother so he is the son of black panther members uh afini shakur and uh, his stepfather is mutulu shakur who is asada's brother
1: Mm, okay all right yeah i was trying to get the relations (laughs) straight in my head okay cool cool
0: yeah, his godfather is is also Geronimo Pratt who is a super prominent member of the Black Panther Party so like yeah, that guy's got a cool family.
1: <laughs> he was we we mentioned him in the in the coup episode. He was he had a shout-out in one of the songs. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Tupac himself, I'm not a avid listener or anything. Neither but, am I. Uh, I guess it was just before my time and I haven't gotten into it. Probably something to check out to be a good music person (laughs) it's probably just just uh cool to listen to so i'm I'm, it's on my radar but from my understanding especially his very early his earliest albums that he released were had a lot of like socially conscious uh lyrics and things to where you could kind of tell this um this background
0: that he had Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with it either, so I can't speak to it. But I mean, if this is a topic we should know more about, let us know, listeners.
1: I mean, we're always happy to put something else on our list of things to get to.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's a long list, guys. Every time I'm like, oh, we're running low. No, I'm not. Not at all. Okay. Her star sign, in case you're curious, uh, she is a cancer and it tracks. She's pretty emotional. I think she's fierce. Um, and she really enjoys human connection.
1: All right. So correctly typed cancer.
0: Yes. In my opinion. All right. So I'm going to give some quick like overall thoughts on the book. Just like an up top review. One about the format. So the way it's written, it alternates kind of timelines. Kind of remind me of the dispossessed in a way because it goes between her court cases developing and all of the like intensity of that from being imprisoned and going through multiple trials Um, And eventually her escape and then alternates those chapters with stories about her early life and her life like before she got captured.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can see what you're saying about the dispossessed angle.
0: I think it's a really poignant way to like connect the dots of her story because like you get to see how she got there as she's going through it. For the sake of this episode, we will go chronologically. (laughs) Um, But it's a really good read. Um, She also adds poetry at the end of I think almost every chapter. Um, It's really beautiful. And her syntax is also super interesting. She never capitalizes U.S. She spells court in American with a K. And about half the time, she does not capitalize the word I, uh, which is interesting. I couldn't <laughs> quite figure out the logic behind that one because sometimes she does and sometimes she doesn't. But for the other ones, I'm like, I kind of appreciate the politicalization like behind those choices. Because like when you see what she's gone through, you're like, oh, that fucking makes sense. I wouldn't fucking capitalize the United States either. <laughs>
1: I was actually recently reading something because there's, there's, uh, I feel like there's debate or contention about like the usefulness of that because you'll still see it in, in online posts or whatever. And you'll probably see it in real organizing circles too, the use of the K in spellings and things.
0: I've seen America KKKM like with three mm-hmm. Ks, but I've never seen it with just one. Or I probably have, but I haven't like noticed it.
1: I don't know. I've seen people kind of argue about it of like, oh, anything from like they don't like the way it looks to Mm -hmm. it's divisive or or whatever the one explanation i saw someone say was and they were actually quoting senyika shakur Mm. of the new african people's liberation army so maybe a different organization but they were saying that originally african linguists used a k sound for that or something Mm. along that lines that they they didn't like that C was sort of the English version of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, because I yeah, I would see Africa spelled with a K in this book as well,
1: and the you know lower casing of it to kind of delegitimize it, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think reading this book, I think made it make sense for me too. Like, I mean, this brings me to the next point of probably the prerequisites for this book would be either like reading Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, or you know, listening to our show and. Or just like having a healthy distrust of the American government, like any of those three. I think you'll be set up to read this because she just goes through the fucking ringer. And so I think if you like I said, the top like if you have the lens of like distrust in the narrator, then like it's not going to take you far with this book. But if you have the like what I would call the correct lens of distrust in the United States, then like you're going to be like, oh, I see what's going on here.
1: Yeah. And especially the episodes where we're talking about stuff like where they murdered Fred Hampton.
0: Exactly. And,
1: you know things like this. <laughs> you got to know what these what the government is capable of. I think to understand anything from the correct uh, perspective of when when you're dealing with organizations like the Black Panthers or the Black Liberation Army or what have you.
0: So let's backtrack. Start off with early life. Um, she was born as Joanne Deborah Byron. On July 16th, 1947, in Jamaica, Queens, New York. Um, Jamaica is like a neighborhood in Queens, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I've just seen it on the subway maps. <laughs> <laughs> she lived with her mother, her aunt, her grandmother, and grandfather, and little sister. When she was three, they moved down to Wilmington, North Carolina. And she writes a lot about the segregation uh, that was in full swing in the 50s. Her grandparents ran a restaurant and kind of like a rest stop near the beach so people could like hang out there, dance and like use the lockers um, so they could go to the beach. And they faced a lot of harassment from white families who like did not want a black business near them. It's the way she writes about racism throughout the book is really poignant and well done. What I was very impressed by is like her analysis of it as someone who like is both from the South and the North um, because she moves back to Queens in like the third grade. And she's like, listen, like the South was segregated and we had worse materials. So like, obviously that's bad, but at least the teachers like could relate to the kids because they are like black teachers. She found that like the integrated schools in New York were like, could be more racist actually, because you'd only be like one of two black kids in class and they would call you out specifically and like all the ways that racism can manifest in teaching.
1: Versus at least being with someone who's on the same side of the color line is you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like being in a community of, of other black people, I think maybe was more helpful.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Early life. She runs away multiple times by the time she's like in middle school and high school. Um, sometimes she goes to her Aunt Evelyn's house, uh, but other times she'll like stay with friends or just like go up to strangers and be like, Hey, what's it? Like she just, she takes some risky moves. This book made me terrified to have a child because I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> she'll like try to age herself up to get a job and live on her own and like it was there were some real close calls too so like woof uh definite content warning for some sexual assault like it gets dicey other kind of themes of the what I would say the early life section of this bio um she writes a lot about internalized racism and colorism in her community uh, a lot about like beauty standards and like who is acceptable to befriend drug issues and like just the ways in which the black community was like uniquely targeted by white supremacy she's also like increasingly aware of class differences and how like respectability politics kind of led to this assimilationist mentality she writes about like her grandparents would were very picky about what kinds of people she was allowed to be friends with and like often you know they would look down on poor families and like want to her to be friends with the richer families in town and like she's just able to like recognize that you know, that's not a helpful way to be. So
1: she was you're saying she was dealing with like this classism sort of thing already, like from people who are raising her.
0: Yes. Like the idea of like climbing the ladder as a way out of racism, I think, was mm-hmm. like a kind of popular idea at the time. And she like bucks against that pretty early on and is like, wait a minute, like if there's a ladder. Someone's going to be at the bottom. You know, like I don't think that's OK. So kind of like taking the wind out of some respectability politics. One more note on the early life. One thing I like about how she writes these chapters is, uh, and really throughout the book, um, she'll take kind of the propagandized lessons that she was being taught in school about like, you know, Washington or Lincoln or even like just how the Vietnam War is going, like all that kind of stuff. And she's like, yeah, I like bought it wholesale. I wanted to be American. I wanted to like get a piece of the pie, all that stuff. But then she'll like talk about what she knows about it now. Like, yeah, like I didn't know that like Washington fucking, you know, sold a slave for a keg of rum and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. That's uh, still going on um, (laughs) in terms of what we teach about the founding fathers and all this stuff, you know, the myths of America. It's, I mean, still a big part of, of, uh, American education. I mean, if you're kind of baffled as a lot of people are as to why the whole critical race theory, all this stuff is blowing up is because people are afraid that we're not going to mythologize their figures as heavily or
0: anything. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's these untouchable pillars to the point where, like, we're afraid to evolve as a country because of it, which is insane.
1: Yeah, really, it's pretty damaging to the whole. Yeah, and not, you know, obviously, our country is is pretty damaging as just an entity. But even if you were just taking, like, the non-communist, just, like, person who wants a Uh, what would you call this like a good a well-functioning or like you (laughs) know functioning
0: democracy
1: yeah decent democratic government Mm -hmm. it's still bad for that like
0: (laughs) yeah like you just have to be able to admit that like hey like maybe things were different in the fucking like 1700s guys or like i don't know that's that's a good point like i think we try to do a good job on the show of saying yeah you can you can have heroes but like don't But also don't have heroes, you know, of saying, like, accept when they were wrong. And that's something I just, America cannot do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just uh, sort of infantilizing this whole having to, having to not worship, but just not have many critical things to say about.
0: Well, and it's not even just the founding fathers. It's like people become sacred so quickly. Like, even if you're, you know, a modern, like, current day president, like it is considered like you, there's only certain things you can say about them in polite society, you know, like people, I don't know, ceremonialize everything so much that it becomes like, Oh, you have to respect him. Like I don't fucking have to respect anybody.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think it's partially because of a desire not to interrogate deeper. Like you you don't Mm -hmm. want to know (laughs) some of the stuff that's involved, you know, it's like the, like, um, Chomsky's thing about how you can put a, Put basically every 20th century American president (laughs) up for war crimes.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, Yeah. You know, and and people don't want to think about that. So they're like, please don't make jokes about how (laughs) many people Obama drone striked. Like, (laughs) because they don't want to think about it.
0: Yep. 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 It's
1: like, no, you got to respect the office, you know, Mm -hmm. even if they may murder a few dozen brown (laughs) people somewhere, you still got to respect the office.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. Moving on to kind of college life and her early activism, um, she attended the Borough of Manhattan Community College and then also the City College of New York. And this was really when her kind of activism started taking off. Uh, she was interested in organizations like the Golden Drums, uh, Black Muslims, the Garveyites, the NAACP and Malcolm X's Organization of Afro-American Unity. Um, So she was just like attending meetings and just like really learning about, one, like African culture, which she like hadn't been exposed to a ton yet. Like her aunt was kind of into it and her mom was kind of into it. But like in the mainstream media, like she was still very much like exposed to mostly white culture. And she was learning about like African dancing and drawing and poetry. And, um, you know, she learned about, you know, how to embrace her natural hair and just like really got this kind of crash course in, not only like cultural knowledge, but also starting to unlearn American history and propaganda. You know, she was starting to have conversations about Vietnam with like her peers and stuff and being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Somebody has been lying to me, you know? I
1: don't know. I think we've all had somewhat of this experience in varying degrees of figuring out a lot of what you, a lot of preconceptions you had were bullshit or based on it, um, bullshit, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I appreciate about her is that she's able to admit that like, yeah, it, I totally believed it. Like I was wrong.
1: <laughs> right. Cause I feel like a lot of people, maybe that's a hang up for them is, oh, you got these communists coming in, telling you what's actually the case and basically making you feel stupid for thinking the opposite. It's like, no dude, we, we all were there and you're not <laughs> like bad for thinking this stuff. Cause we all did that at some point, but we're just trying to get you out of it, you know?
0: people don't like to feel stupid like that's really what it comes down to
1: (laughs) it's cognitive dissonance of hold on i'm like a smart person or you know i'm at least not stupid enough to get duped (laughs) right but then someone's here telling you that something you think is true is not
0: Mm -hmm. and it's a lot easier to dismiss that as a conspiracy than it is to like wonder why this whole structure has been lying to you your whole life because yeah that's a little bit of an existential crisis
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah are we the baddies
0: (laughs) exactly so this is when she really started taking off in organizing um she started through actually the student government of her college with the golden drum society and students for a democratic society they ran uh for all the positions in student government and pretty much like won the whole ticket what is the the golden drum yeah okay so golden drum society i couldn't find a lot on them today it seemed like in the book they were like kind of a a black student society i tried googling and could not find a lot about them today
1: and students for democratic society that was like a nationwide thing
0: so they basically got control of the student government and it and immediately started clashing with the administration. What?
1: The yeah. administration wasn't cool with SDS taking over?
0: <laughs> Super weird. Uh, they were doing some cool shit, though. They're inviting, like, Young Lords members and Black Panther members to come speak at the college. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be rad?
1: Yeah, I would love to, to have that on campus. So that would be great. <laughs>
0: that would be so fun and cool. <laughs> like I said, definitely some tensions. They started this... Uh, student teacher program to help kids in remedial programs and their administration was like oh there's no money for that and so the students investigated and found out like hey uh the president of the college is living in a house rent-free and has a maid and a chauffeur and she's like suddenly they found the money for the program
1: (laughs) (laughs) weird how that happens
0: super weird So Shakur, in this program, she taught math and reading and writing and arts and crafts. Um, but I've, I really like her as a teacher. I think it's interesting. She would, she would bring um, kind of whatever she thought the kids would find interesting because she's like, yeah, their textbooks were really old and shitty. And so just, she kind of just treated them like people and was like, hey, I thought this was cool. Maybe you'll think this is cool.
1: Nice. So she was a student at this time doing mm-hmm. this, like fellow students?
0: Well, I think the, the students that she was teaching were like kids, though.
1: Oh, kids! Kids.
0: Yeah, like kids from like local high schools and and I think younger too, because they're like doing arts and crafts. Okay, and stuff.
1: okay, I got you. That makes sense. I was picturing like remedial courses mm. in college. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, you got to treat them like equal. They're like
0: <laughs> they're, they're adults living
1: in your dorm, you know.
0: <laughs> <Be> <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Pejorative.
1: Yeah, uh, that makes more sense. But still, that's cool. That's a that's a good approach.
0: Yeah, I, I love this. She even would rotate who was the teacher like you would get to teach the class like we do here
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: and she was like yeah the kids would behave because you know they would want kids to respect their time when it was their turn to teach so they like kind of self-managed each other
1: interesting a a sort of democratic approach to it
0: mm-hmm so this is when Shakur starts going to multiple protests on lots of different issues. I think she's like really diving into like the intersectionality of it all. She goes to protests about education, parents wanting more control over what their kids are being taught, goes to anti-war marches, uh, rent strikes, sit-ins, worker demonstrations, like all kinds of stuff, and is also learning a lot about communism.
1: Hey, that's good. We (laughs) like that here.
0: So she starts realizing, she's like, man, all these like African revolutionaries are really into this. Like she, she kind of even characterized, she's like, I thought it was just like a thing for white guys, you know, like she wasn't, you know, that. (laughs) And she she even like pokes fun at the, the communist groups at her college. She's like, yeah, like just a bunch of flabby white dudes talking about revolution. And it's like, I don't think they would last a minute, but okay. (laughs) Which I'm like, yeah, I fair. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. I feel
1: personally attacked.
0: Shots fired at us specifically. Uh (laughs) (laughs) and you know i think that kind of she struggled to connect with those groups but she still enjoyed the the theory of it like at one point she writes something of like she's like yeah it's by white dudes but it's too important to ignore is how she puts it which i thought was interesting
1: and you're saying she was also uh seeing not just how well its origins may be white and some of the people interested in maybe white, but like its applications in specifically in Africa and everything meant it was, like you said, more important than that in that sense of being more applicable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's like, this is a really big, like, historical movement. And also, like, look how, like, African revolutionaries are applying this. Like, yeah.
1: Listeners, if we get cat meows in the background. Sorry.
0: I think here's the thing. We can just keep putting pictures of whatever cat disturbs us and so listeners can't be mad when they hear it because they're like well i'm gonna get a cute cat picture out of this (laughs) we're gonna Pavlovian train them to like it
1: yeah they hear that (laughs) they're already picturing (laughs) the cat picture they're gonna get later yeah yeah that's that's fair
0: okay i think that's a good trade-off all
1: right so she's thinking hmm maybe you know she's thinking Someone needs to teach me about this communism thing.
0: She's into it. She's interested. Yeah. It is at this point that she changes her name. So I remember at the beginning, I was like, her name was Joanne. And she's like, yeah, that's not me anymore. That's not what I'm about. So she changes it to um, Asada Olugbala Shakur. And all of those names have meanings behind them. Asada means she who struggles. Olukbala means love for the people and Shakur means thankful and also is named for her fellow activist, uh, Zaid, who we will meet later in the story. She also briefly gets married and literally only writes about it for like a few sentences. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I tried being married and it didn't work. Like, that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) So she married (laughs) a fellow student activist and then they're like, oh, this kind of sucks. Let's not. So that's how she got the last name Chesimard, which shows up in all of her court cases.
1: All right, marriage not in the cards.
0: Not for her. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to California. She goes to Berkeley where all the cool shit is happening, obviously.
1: Berkeley, man. Berkeley in the 60s was...
0: <laughs> Just the best.
1: <laughs> in, yeah, 60s, 70s. Uh, I think it was... It's it's like seen as a center of revolution in philip k dick's like sci-fi novels and stuff
0: oh yeah, uh, yeah. And
1: berkeley's like that where the where the students live in underground bunkers and stuff it, That's cool. it, you know hi- hold up against the fascist government
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean totally like she writes about it like yeah there's like revolutionary like imagery on the murals and like there's just people giving out pamphlets everywhere she's just like this is fucking cool She's really impressed by the the amount of activity happening there and kind of dives right in. She, again, is really expanding her intersectionality here. She learns about issues happening in South and Central America. She spends time at Alcatraz. Um, apparently, at some point, uh, a group of indigenous people occupied the island of Alcatraz, reclaimed it in the name of like native people.
1: I've only briefly ever heard about this. So I don't really know anything about it.
0: I only know about it from the book. I didn't do like my own. I linked the Wikipedia in in the show notes for patrons, but (laughs) if you want to read more about it, it looks like it's a 19 month long protest when 89 uh, Native Americans and their supporters occupied the island. And she writes about going over there. I think she was with like maybe a first aid group or something just to kind of help out. I don't know. I just had never heard about that. So that's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, uh, very briefly, I don't know what, in what um, context I heard about it, probably negative in some way.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> but uh,
1: but yeah, no, we should do a, a show on it. It seems like a cool little event.
0: Good point.
1: So that's on the horizon. All right. Maybe far in the future, but we'll, we'll get it. <laughs> we'll there. add
0: it to the schedule. Um, at this point, she's also learning about the Brown Berets and the Chicano movement and the Red Guard in Chinatown. Like, she has a really funny story about how like she was hanging out with some folks just like smoking weed in the park and some guys come up and they're like hey like there's cops shaking people down like y'all need to get the fuck out of here and these were that's how she met people from the red guard and she was super embarrassed because like she wanted to meet them and like learn about their stuff and she like you know her and her friends are like super stoned <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, i swear i don't normally do this <laughs>
0: <laughs> like i really look up to you but also sorry
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, and finally, this is where she gets officially involved with the Black Panther Party.
1: Nice. All right.
0: So she'd like, you know, obviously heard of them and been interested in them before back in New York. Uh, but it's here where she's like, I'm gonna check out their offices and see what's up. She was like attracted to them on some levels of like their, their lack of intellectualism and like just their willingness to call out capitalism and imperialism as the bad guys. She's like, yeah, they're like saying it how it is. I'm into that. But she was a little bit concerned about like how... They presented themselves, like she's like, mm, like they seem a little aggressive or like maybe a little macho. And like she was kind of like not into that. And like she even writes about like some of the people there were like, hey, why haven't you joined yet? Like you seem like you'd be perfect for this. And And she like gives them her criticisms of the party and she's expecting them to get mad. And they're like, no, those are good points. Like you should join. Like it's a good thing to like talk about this kind of stuff.
1: Hmm, nice.
0: Yeah, which I think is a great response to criticism. So she works for the party. She starts out in newspaper distribution. Uh, She also works for the free breakfast program, does a lot of work for free clinics, uh, learning a lot about first aid and stuff, raising bail money, and just like all kinds of stuff, basically with the Panthers. During this time, uh, the Panther 21 uh, were arrested, and that leaves a big power vacuum.
1: What were the Panther 21 arrested for?
0: I don't actually know. Probably bullshit.
1: Or who were the Panther 21,
0: (laughs) we should say. Um, So the Panther 21 is a group of 21 Panther members. Um, They were arrested and accused of planning a coordinated bombing and rifle attacks on some police stations in New York. It was a lot of like top guys in the party. And so it made things really uncomfortable because like people left behind were like, what the fuck do we do? You know?
1: right so they were trying to take out the leadership are you when you said probably for some bullshit is this I mean, probably for <laughs> i some don't bullshit? know
0: <laughs> i have not done research specifically on this i mostly focus on like how it affected asada and like her interactions in the party
1: yeah which given you know the the modus operandi of this <laughs> it's, it's, it's very likely that it was um at least partially framed up
0: I would say yes. Um, I mean, we were able to find, um, I think it's mentioned in this book, too, that like, you know, the the false letters between Panther members were set mm-hmm. up as to like, to, to further tensions between party members. Like, you know, COINTELPRO is running fucking hard and fast at this point. So yeah. for more on that, see our episode on the Black Panthers. There's definitely some fuckery going on. I don't know about this case specifically, but would not be surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, Asada, in this power vacuum, she finds herself kind of clashing with the remaining leadership. There's a lot of like macho dudes, a lot of arrogant dudes, and she's just like, this is not okay with me.
1: Like, uh, like misogyny stuff, like sexism.
0: So, I didn't like, she didn't write specifically about like somebody who was sexist to me, but like, she writes a lot about like dudes who are assholes (laughs)
1: for for different reasons
0: i guess she gives a story of one time she was selling newspapers and she like put them down for a second to go do something and she comes back and they're gone she's like where are my newspapers and somebody's like i threw them out you're not supposed to leave them on the ground and she's like hey what the fuck yeah (laughs) like can we just be cool you know and just shit like that Where like it's just it feels like it's a lot of like puffed up you know it's my way or their highway kind of thing Mm, okay she also believed the party was like kind of failing in their mission of education um they were starting to get kind of dogmatic uh because like people were just like repeating phrases without really understanding what they mean which i guess that's what dogmatic means but (laughs) 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 that that was kind of like her take on it was just like i'm not seeing like enough like thorough education within the ranks of the party like she she writes about like kind of the lower level classes that they would teach, like for the general public, she's like, I think those are our best ones because they're really accessible and they're really like that. They're actually thorough, but she was like the higher up ones, like become just kind of nonsense after a certain point.
1: Hmm. Okay. So more of a focus on knowledge that you need specifically for action rather than just sort of theory for theory's sake, I guess.
0: I think so. I think that's what she was not into. like, She also criticizes Huey Newton, and it sounds like it was kind of a similar criticism. She didn't like that he was getting into all this kind of esoteric theory stuff. She also didn't like his speaking style, which is interesting. Uh, She's like, yeah, I think he needs speaking lessons. And people got really mad at her for saying that. And, you know, she's criticized like he was, um, you know, living in this expensive Oakland apartment while, you know, you had Panther members in New York just like freezing their asses off without coats. And he was also going through and purging Black Panther members. This was brought on by COINTELPRO. But, you know, from the outside, it's just like, hey, what the fuck? Like, he got rid of um, prominent member, that Geronimo guy that I mentioned at the beginning. Like, he Mm -hmm. got purged. And she's like, hey, what the fuck?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't just him. I know they had, they framed up Stokely Carmichael as well. So, I, I I don't know specifically about Geronimo, Platt, if they had snitch jacketed him or or what but Mm -hmm. that's that's what they were doing with stokely carmichael was trying to convince huey newton that he was a cia informant to get him to you know to get him to kick him out
0: (laughs) yeah and and even the panther 21 like they got huey to like kind of turn his back on them i think through similar machinations
1: uh big middle finger to the cia as usual (laughs) fbi as usual
0: if you're listening fuck you even dan (laughs) she writes about this this uh this kind of a funny but slash bad story uh she writes about this really incompetent guy named cotton um and he was put in charge of building out like uh, a new building for headquarters and she's like yeah i'd go every day and like nothing would be done and he would talk a big game but like i'm pretty sure he's just like drunk 24 7 and just not doing his job and sure enough, later, uh, it was found that he was working for the police. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You hate to see it. So eventually, through all these tensions, all that adds up, Asada is like, I'm out, I'm leaving the party. And she also is recognizing, like, I think I'm getting surveilled, so like, this, I need to go underground. Oh, okay. But here's where things get weird. <laughs> Asada is about to be accused for a whole lot of crimes, mostly bank robberies and attacks on police. Throughout her autobiography, she maintains her innocence. She's like, I've never killed anybody, never robbed a bank. We're going to go through the list um, of what she's accused of and include kind of, you know, the state side of the story, aka what she's being accused of, and then we will go through the trials. So I just kind of want to start with the list first.
1: (laughs) Okay, this is the list of accusations?
0: List of accusations
1: uh all right is she at this point already with the black liberation army or is that later
0: she doesn't write specifically about like today i joined the black liberation army yeah it just seems like it kind of goes hand in hand with the panthers and like yeah she was like in it and friends with people in it like for sure and and that's where you know most of these crimes will be involved uh with with the bla
1: okay so she's accused of like leading them on cool Bank robbery, cop killing missions.
0: (laughs) She's accused of being extremely cool and even painted as a leader. Um, There's like this quote that shows up a bunch about her being kind of a quote, mother hen in in the BLA, which I'm like, wow, what a specifically, you know, female term for that. But okay,
1: (laughs) Yeah. A mother hen. Interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like not a loaded term at all. Okay, Crime time. (laughs) Alleged crime time.
1: Yeah. Let's hear it. crimes (laughs)
0: april 6 1971 uh was shot in a in the stomach during a struggle with a guest at the statler hilton hotel in manhattan according to police Shakur knocked on the door and demanded money with a revolver Shakur later uh, once she's safe reveals that there was some sort of drug connection in this incident but does not go into any further detail so yeah she did get shot We're starting off our list with a couple of ones that are like, yeah, this probably happened. (laughs) Next, August 23rd, 1971, a bank robbery in Queens. There's a lot of bank robberies in here. Uh, Again, she later admits that the BLA did practice expropriation of banks. But in the trial evidence, like, pretty much all of them were like, this is definitely not her. So like, I don't know she might've like known about it or like had some friends who did it, but I don't think it was like her specifically who was doing it. Also, it sounded like it was kind of cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what, okay. I think it's cooler to imagine that she did all the things, but is there, there is supposed to be evidence that like she didn't, she, like you're saying the witnesses, for example, say no, wasn't her, but also wasn't the FBI doing something in regards to like,
0: Yes, we're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> that's the thing is like I know I'm starting off with these ones that are like, yeah, she might have done this, but also like we're going to see some real fuckery going down. So like it's the trials are crazy town. All right. <laughs> okay. December 21st, 1971, named as a sp- suspect in throwing a hand grenade to destroy a police car in Queens. Extremely Whoa. cool if true. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that is a GTA move right there. It's
0: <laughs> for real. That's a five-star crime. Um, Let's see. January 26, 1972, wanted for wounding a police officer, pulled her over for a traffic violation in Brooklyn. March 1st, 1972, another bank robbery in the Bronx. She was wanted for a couple of, uh, quote, execution-style murders of some uh, NYPD officers in in 1972, in uh, January and May.
1: Just... Blam.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um this was for a um supposedly by a, a BLA cell just just murder some some cops. <laughs> January 28th, 1973. Uh she was a suspect in an attack on four more policemen. <laughs> a lot of police attacks. Another shootout in April 16th, 1981. Uh burglary and a subsequent shootout with police. This is a long list. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. we're, gonna, we're gonna get into the trials in a minute, but overall like kind of some thoughts. When she's in an asylum, you know, she does admit to like a couple of those things. So She's like, yeah, I did get shot and like, yeah, we did like rob banks, but she says that, you know, she says the BLA robbing. She doesn't say her specifically, like we said. Yeah. But she was definitely if not being set up and fabricated entirely, the FBI and COINTELPRO was fucking out to get her. Like, there's no doubt about that <laughs> yeah i, mean, I have
1: um, documents and stuff on that right
0: yes um she was portrayed by the state and the media as the leader of the bla one officer even admits that like they created this myth to demonize shakur specifically cointelpro is heavily targeting black lib organizations and they even had an, an or- operation called chess rob uh which if you'll remember her name is chessimard which was specifically designed to link Shakur to pretty much any bank robbery or violent crime involving a black woman on the East Coast.
1: There you go. I mean.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: <laughs> which is cool because, like, you get credit for all <laughs> shit she didn't
0: do. Like, yeah, like, she'll say, like, in prison, people will come up to her and be like, hey, like, what are you in here for? Like, she's like, murder, like like what yeah. what like
1: <laughs> depends on who you ask yeah like
0: what are you in it for she's like killing cops and they're like did you do it she's like, i've never killed anybody
1: <laughs> yeah so. i'm not like opposed to it but
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like and people will like have heard of her because the media was just flooding everything with with her wanted posters and stuff and she's like yeah, I'm, I, I didn't but okay
1: <laughs> right
0: um and what i would say is also telling once Uh, She is captured. She's not charged with the initial crimes that were involved in that manhunt. Like some of those crimes that we talked about, they're not going to get a trial. Um, Most of the the trials are about bank robberies and then um, the incident in which she was arrested. So like they drop a lot of shit because they're like, we got her.
1: (laughs) They they made up a big list of like, oh, this person's very dangerous. Look at all the really bad Mm -hmm. things they've done. But then when it comes to trial, they're like, "Okay, well, we actually have evidence on like four. this and this, yeah,
0: <laughs> and not very good evidence. That's good right. Isn't
1: it a, well, we'll get into that too, I guess later.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, it is right. some shady fucking shit. The word kangaroo Court" was made for this. <laughs> <laughs> so she does get arrested, uh, May second, nineteen seventy-three, and this is a whole story in and of itself. She is accompanied by two other black liberationist people. We've got zaid Malik Shakur and Sandiata Akoli. They're stopped on the New Jersey Turnpike supposedly for a broken taillight and slightly exceeding the speed limit. That being said, the state trooper on duty, James Harper, referenced a list of black activists, drives up to check who they are, (laughs) 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 calls in reinforcements and waits until they're very close to the like Turnpike administration building for a broken taillight, which is pretty sus. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure he knew what he was going after there.
0: Probably not a simple traffic stop. (laughs) Indeed, it was not. There was a shootout. Now witnesses, you know, their accounts are going to differ here, but here are the end results. One of the troopers was shot twice in the head with his own gun and killed. Uh, The other was wounded. Uh, Zaid Shakur was killed. Asada was shot in the arm and the shoulder. So two shots, rendering her arm paralyzed with nerve damage. Like for good? She eventually is able to recuperate it. Okay, cool. So Rosada is arrested and oh my gosh, guys, if you want to read about police brutality, this is a quite the source because from the beginning of her imprisonment to the day she escapes, it is shockingly I wish I could say it was shocking, it's not shocking. It's horrifying is what it is. Yeah. Um she is constantly getting beaten. Um from the moment she's arrested. Like this woman's just been shot twice and they're still like giving her beatings, they're threatening her, they're pointing loaded guns at her. Or empty guns and, like, pulling the trigger. Like, they're doing some fucked up shit to this person. They're trying to trick her with, like, undercover agents. You know, like, they'll send in a doctor who's, like, really nice and, like, just try to talk. And she's like, oh, no, this is suspicious as fuck. Medical neglect throughout her treatment or throughout her imprisonment and just horrifying living conditions. She's handcuffed to her hospital bed multiple times. Her leg at this point was swelling, so, like, very painful. They had... Lots of harassment techniques, you know, spitting in food, keeping her awake with loud noises, low room temperatures, verbal abuse, just straight up lying, being like, oh, your fucking comrades are telling on you. You better tell us what we want to know. Yeah, of
1: course. Of course. Yeah, you know,
0: Classic <laughs> police shit. Yeah. She even says that, like, she saw several troopers giving Nazi salutes. And there was one guy who gave lots of speeches about how Hitler was right.
1: This sounds overblown, maybe, to the... But they have had investigation where of like sheriff's department in um you know l a county and stuff that like they they have a they may be surprising to some people <laughs> high number of like neo nazis and, yeah. and ex- actually openly white supremacist uh officers and stuff so that's not entirely it sounds overblown but it's not entirely uh it's not
0: impossible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that that's one of the things where it's like you gotta have the right lens on because if you read that without kind of that background, you're like, what? Like that's crazy. Right. But it's it's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh
1: what's the uh what's the lyric on that one? Some rage against the machine. Some of those the workforces are the same, the burn crosses.
0: Ooh. Oh, that's spicy.
1: But yeah, what machine could they possibly be raging against? Who
0: knows? <laughs> They're fine with it. Uh, Okay. She is arraigned for possession of weapons and the attempted murder of James Harper, the state trooper. This all happens in her hospital bed without a lawyer present. Just like, I think maybe a day after, a couple of days after she's shot. So like she's still in really critical condition. When her lawyer arrives, her lawyer is her aunt, Evelyn, by the way. She's only given like five minutes to talk to her client. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, and and she's not allowed to be there for the actual, like, arraignment, so pretty cool.
1: <laughs> effective, yeah, effective legal defense there.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's moved to Middlesex County Workhouse, where she's kept in solitary. She's kept in solitary for almost the majority of her imprisonment, so again, torture. Yeah. During prison, she records a tape called To My People. Uh, I recommend reading it. I included a link in the show notes. Um, I included some good quotes here for us. She talks about basically the real bad guys in the situation. She's like, hey, like, let's see. It should be clear to us by now who the real criminals are. Nixon and his crime partners have murdered hundreds of third world brothers and sisters in Vietnam, Cambodia, Mozambique, Angola, and South Africa. As was proved by Watergate, the top law enforcement officials in this country are a lying bunch of criminals. The president, two attorney generals, the head of the FBI, the head of the CIA, and half the White House staff have been implicated in the Watergate crimes. They call us thieves, yet it is not we who rip off billions of dollars every year through tax evasions, illegal price fixing, embezzlement, consumer fraud, bribes, kickbacks, and swindles. There's a lot more of that. So, like, definitely check that out.
1: Yeah, for real. And <laughs> that's pretty good. I don't know. That's that's good in terms of appealing to regular people, I would say.
0: I think you so, know? too. Yeah. It's like, not
1: even... The communist critique would be even further in saying even the legal shit they're doing is ripping you <laughs> off, but...
0: For sure, yeah.
1: (laughs) But that's just outright criminal stuff.
0: So, yeah, recommend giving that a read to my people. Um, You can find it online pretty easily. She writes a lot about, you know, the experience of being in prison. Um, She writes about the prisoners that she meets, you know, talking about how extreme some of their sentences are, mostly for petty theft. You know, shoplifting as little as like 20 bucks uh, that got a pregnant woman who was eight months pregnant a month Wow. for a $20 item. Yeah. Another woman was serving a six month sentence for driving drunk on her own driveway. (laughs) What? Like, how do you even get pulled over on your own fucking driveway? Like,
1: the cop was sitting there watching, like, she's swigging, you know, some whiskey, and then he's like, oh, she's gonna, she's about to start that car, right?
0: Yeah, like, I have no idea, (laughs) like, logistically how that happened. (laughs) She meets some cool people in prison Uh, Puerto Rican nationalist Lolita LeBron. And uh, liberation theologist Mary Alice. I wasn't able to find a lot of information about Mary Alice, so I don't know her deal. So let me know if you have more Googleable details on her. <laughs>
1: yeah, I haven't heard of either of these people, though I should, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot about like Puerto Rican history. So at some point, Asada begins leaving her cell when her food is being delivered. She just like walks past the guard like a boss, and the guards just like tell her to get back, and she's just like, you're gonna have to like come get me (laughs) and so like she's able to like hang out with the other prisoners for a bit and at one point there's like a confrontation over it they go to grab her and like the other prisoners like help kind of fight back like no one admits who is Asada, you know like Mm. and so um this is labeled in the press as a riot of course even though like (laughs) there was maybe a scratch that actually occurred (laughs) yeah after that incident all the prisoners were either removed or released and Assad's door was shut at all times. I'm going to kind of lump this whole section together. Um, We're going to go through some of the other medical neglect and harassment that she went under. This happens at various prisons and like at various times. Um, It's kind of a confusing timeline because she was tried for so many different things. Like there's mistrials and there's retrials and there's all that kind of shit. So like, we're just going to kind of lump this together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That it's like one, overarching trial that keeps having these interruptions basically with the other with the other ones or something
0: yeah it's several trials okay (laughs) medical neglect and other harassment first off vaginal and anal searches were very common and remain so today even for visitors so not good you just get sexually assaulted all the time
1: yeah it sucks
0: really sucks Asada's legal team was trying to request physical therapy for her arm because it had nerve damage. No physical therapist from the county agreed to treat her. So she kind of had to like develop her own program. She like had to get like peanut oil and like a stress ball kind of thing and just kind of had to build it back by herself. At one point, her neck brace was taken away because it had like a tiny metal buckle into it in it. She had, like, had it for several days already, and they're like, just kidding. And then, like, a specialist had to come and say, like, hey, no, she she fucking needs that. You know, like, return it.
1: Wow, that's crazy, though. That the, I guess therapists aren't technically doctors or something. Like, they don't have, like, a code that says you can't just not treat people.
0: So, <laughs> I think what we'll see here is the code around treating prisoners medically is subject to change. Because mm. they oftentimes she'll like go to the prison doctor and be like, "Yeah, nothing's wrong with you, or like they just don't give a shit or like its she's just constantly ignored and and treated poorly by her doctors. So like she has to advocate to get outside care because it's the only chance she has of getting someone who actually like gives a shit. yeah, she is like fairly and I would say rightly paranoid in prison. Um, she stacks metal cups by her door to like alert if someone tries to come in and at one point, she wakes up and finds four or five male guards in her cell claiming to in- be investigating a noise, but they like were not supposed to be in the women's section in the first place. So it's like, okay, you know, she's like, I've heard about enough people disappearing in prison to be on the lookout.
1: Damn.
0: She is moved frequently between prisons, like, Almost, it feels like almost every chapter (laughs) she's getting moved somewhere Um, because, you know, she has numerous trials taking place in different counties. Um, So she goes, you know, to like Rikers Island or, you know, back to New Jersey or wherever. At one point, she's kept in a men's prison um, in the basement. There are leaky pipes. There are bugs. There are temperatures of 95 degrees. She has no privacy for the toilet or the shower. She has to like put up a towel and then gets yelled at. And there are lights on all the time.
1: Wow, horrifying conditions.
0: Just full-on torture.
1: Yeah, that's medieval.
0: It's horrible. Like she writes about, like fucking centipedes crawling all over her, and it's oh, it's just horrible. At one point, she's moved to a remote prison in Alderson, West Virginia, which means like it takes days of expensive travel for her legal team and her family to visit. So like most people in that prison only get like one or two visits a year. I was gonna
1: add this is all timeline-wise before she's convicted of anything.
0: Um, yeah, we will see in her trials. She is only ever convicted of one thing. So. <laughs> and that's at the end.
1: This <laughs> is before any of the convictions in a country, which will tell you with less and less emphasis nowadays, but still <laughs> that, uh, people are innocent until proven guilty.
0: Yeah. No, she is treated like fucking shit all the time. Like she knows she's like, I'm labeled as a cop killer. Like these people are fucking after me. Yeah. During one of her trials, she actually ends up having an affair with a fellow defendant, uh, Kamau Sadiqi, and she becomes pregnant and she carries this pregnancy throughout her imprisonment. Um, She's ignored by doctors. She has actually um, become interested in Islam. And so she's refusing to eat pork, which apparently a lot of prison meals are mostly pork because it's like a cheap meat. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's like really malnourished at one point she is close to miscarriage and her lawyers have to like fucking fight uphill to get her access to a gynecologist. She's exposed at one point to a woman who has tuberculosis during her pregnancy, like without her knowledge after her delivery, she's discharged without her doctor's consent. Um, the, like the head of the hospital just was like, get her out of here. You know? Wow. She's separated from her baby after just a few days and Upon her return to Rikers Island, she was beaten for refusing a medical exam. This is a woman who just had a baby.
1: Uh, yeah. This this should be a horrifying slash kind of like you said, shocking, not shocking. You know. Yes,
0: yes. It's it's hard to read and like digest. I guess it's like hard to put yourself in that place, but it's also unfortunately not surprising.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are trying to destroy this movement overall they're trying to punish someone who would dare fight back against them so it makes sense
0: even just like getting a doctor was so challenging because like you know people wouldn't want to treat her because like they see her in the media as like this cop killer and so she had to find someone that like was was basically connected to the panthers and like was into it and even so, like the the state would like try to put up barriers of like, oh, your doctor can't see you unless one of our doctors is there too, and then that doctor wouldn't show up. Mm-hmm. Constant access issues to healthcare.
1: That's the problem when you fight for just legal rights and stuff like that. Is there's all sorts. They don't of matter. Ways, yeah, <laughs> there's all sorts of ways for the government to get around. Because who's enforcing the rights? You know? Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think that was a big takeaway for me is that like the laws truly get thrown out the book bu- the window if if they hate you enough, and they fucking hated her. Throughout this process, her legal team was like, hey, this is, you know, inhumane and cruel uh, treatment uh, with very little success, you know. Every time they managed to, like, you know, get her out of solitary or get her out of that, that, that horrible basement, like, she'd get put right back in there. Some people from the UN Commission on Human Rights toured her conditions and concluded that her solitary confinement was, quote, totally unbefitting any prisoner, and... Correctly made the connection to um, FBI fuckery, basically saying like this: this is the result of COINTELPRO.
1: The UN said that.
0: Yes. <laughs> so Damn. cool. Okay, we are now going to get into the trials. We are not going to cover them in the exact order that they occurred because, like I said, there's multiple trials and mistrials and retrials going on all at once, and it's confusing as fuck. I got confused when I was reading it, so like I have chunk them out into like the alleged crimes and we're just going to go through that okay okay starting off with a bank robbery in the bronx this is with her co-defendant uh kamau who becomes the father of her child shakur's legal team is given very little time to prepare for this as they were like also preparing for the murder trial on the new jersey turnpike so kind of a lot to deal with the juries throughout all of these are going to be like pretty bad some worse than others um In this particular one, there were some jurors saying, quote, if they're black, they're guilty. So not a great start.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. They just said that during the uh, whatever you call it, the jury selection.
0: They said, yeah, something to that effect. I think I've got to look up exactly what the full quote was. But yeah, it was not great.
1: Uh, Well, you know, there's something to be said for honesty, at least. (laughs) At least they put themselves Uh. out there and let you know what they're about. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so, Oh, what sucks, though, is they, they were able to, be, like, catch them. like, hey, like, that was really bad. Like, let's move to a different county. And they did, but they moved to a county with, like, even fewer black people in it. So it's like, yeah. well, okay, thanks. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> the prosecution essentially rested on the testimony of two men who had previously pled guilty to this bank robbery and exchanged testimony for dropped charges.
1: <laughs> Just kidding.
0: We it didn't wasn't do it. me. It was definitely them.
1: It was the enemy of the state.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The witnesses falsely identified surveillance images of Shakur, and uh, there was a hung jury followed by a retrial, and eventually they were acquitted of this crime. One down.
1: So you mean that they said, oh, yeah, that was her, but then it, people could obviously tell it wasn't her or something? Witnesses falsely identified?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: They said, well, like it it was not
0: clear that it was her. They're like, it was like, I'm trying to remember because there's so many of these trials. Right. (laughs) There was one one, where
1: like a person was wearing glasses or something like. That's a different one. Okay. That's a different
0: one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next. This is a shorty attempted murder trial. This is one of the police murders. A judge actually dismissed the indictment, uh, citing a lack of evidence. So that one just like didn't even have enough to go to trial.
1: Did this guy get killed or get attempted to be killed
0: you'd think right um i do not know but she was like super surprised as was i
1: not enough evidence we could we couldn't find enough stuff to frame you with
0: (laughs) oh gosh you want to talk about framing let's talk about the kidnapping trial this is one of my favorites (laughs) all right charged with kidnapping a drug dealer named james freeman in brooklyn 1972 there were two co-defendants supposedly they entered this bar with guns, took $50 from the register, kidnapped the bartender and le- left a note demanding 20k in ransom. That's the police side of the story. All right. What's a little fishy here? <laughs> the bar where the supposed crime took place belonged to a uh different guy than the state had produced. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so somebody shows up and says, "Hey, actually that was my bar."
0: Yeah, so the real owner Eventually testifies and was like, no, this is my bar. He visited the bar every day during the alleged kidnapping. He was locking the doors every time he left and had not given anyone permission to use it. So, like, your whole crime scene is gone. In fact, the bar had been closed for a year, so I don't think you'd have $50 in their register.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so they made up the crime altogether? There wasn't...
0: They- I think they just made up the crime.
1: <laughs> that's great. I mean, usually, you know, you're thinking, oh, they framed someone. Something happened, but it wasn't this person.
0: I mean, but the, this highly, one is like... <laughs> they set a whole fake scene.
1: <laughs> that's excellent.
0: And um, the guy who was kidnapped, Freeman, claimed like they were force feeding him drugs. And that's how they kept him. Uh, medical records show it, that his stomach had no trace of drugs. I think he had like some aspirin in there. <laughs> wow. So they were acquitted for that one.
1: Dave and Dan, y'all messed that one up, man. That was that was sloppy work. <laughs>
0: a real real fumble. Yeah, I <laughs> thought they got rid of that the real owner. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uh, another bank robbery. This time in Queens.
1: All right, how'd we do it
0: <laughs> this time? <laughs> this is a good example of the media playing a big role. Uh, this is the one where uh, a photo of Asado was circulated pretty much everywhere she was plastered all over the subways post offices just anywhere you looked and it was labeled with her name and that she was guilty you know it was very like you know we got her kind of thing Mm, yeah the jury eventually determines that this is not her so the prosecutor tries to force uh Shakur to take a photo wearing the glasses and the same wig and the same dress as a surveillance photo and she's like no you're going to fucking superimpose me on that poster and like i'm done you know <laughs> <laughs> so she refuses and she was like physically subdued with with beatings which ultimately rendered the photos inadmissible as evidence cuz they're like hey okay that one's a bit much
1: <laughs> yeah we,
0: we can't just beat prisoners into p- taking photos
1: this was in the courtroom or like yes, in their cell in, or
0: in the courtroom and her lawyer made a point to say like um, you know the state is now doing like she said it out loud so it would go on the record wow yeah just got beat the fuck up by like u.s marshals and shit oh
1: yeah suppose that most courtrooms didn't have video at this time
0: no i don't think so Asada in this trial acts as what's it called i guess co-counsel you know she represents herself along with her legal team and she makes a really fire opening statement um there are many good quotes to choose from so i would recommend looking that up as well linked in the show notes um, some other fuckery here in this trial. The defense asks for like a a lineup of photos. Out of the photos, Shakur's was the only one that was a mugshot. <laughs> the rest were normal photos.
1: Oh, like glamour so, shots.
0: <laughs> a little leading. <laughs> Witnesses struggle to identify her as the woman who robbed the bank. The FBI, this is my favorite, they bring in an expert to testify. And he says, I can identify photos with a microscope, which I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was cross-examined and it was revealed he's a paleontologist who studies rocks.
1: <laughs> oh, that's why he needed the microscope. He was looking for like <laughs> mineral things. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, the defense finds their own expert who like actually knows about photography. And he's like, "Yeah, if you look at a photo under a microscope, it's a bunch of dots. Like that's that's what photos are. You're not going to get anything <laughs> from that." <laughs>
1: Dude, uh you know, you guys messed up the other one. This one is at least a very funny mess up. Like that,
0: I think it's quite funny. <laughs> that's
1: They just got someone from the mail room or something to come up with that idea, like that's Just a call let's up get a, a buddy. Rock
0: guy. Yeah. This guy's a scientist. He looks like a They were probably like, we need a nerd. Does yeah. anyone know a nerd?
1: Uh, my one friend, he's a paleontologist.
0: <laughs> he's got glasses. Ah. <laughs> uh. So they're getting desperate. The manager is testifying. Uh, The manager of the bank is like, That's not her. (laughs) She has a totally different height and build. Like, that's definitely not her. The prosecution is getting desperate. So he's like, Well, she's covering up her arms. She's not, you know, she's got long sleeves on. How do we know she doesn't have big arms under there? So Sada just like rolls up her sleeves (laughs) and like, What's up? (laughs) And then he's like, Well, clearly we caught her. We got her this time. She forgot to change her earrings. She's wearing the same earrings as the person in the photo. And so the defense says, can all the women wearing hoop earrings in the court today stand up? And about half of the people stand.
1: (laughs) This is a 1970 (laughs) something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like we all have the same earrings right now.
1: (laughs) Hilarious.
0: So she's acquitted.
1: That'd be funny in the movie, you know, the biopic version of this, if like, the prosecution attorney, like his wife, is attending <laughs> like, and she stands. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, she's sitting and she's covering him up.
0: <laughs> oh, so she's acquitted from this, uh, but that mugshot picture remains up in public like two months after her acquittal, which does not help her future trials, obviously. All right, now we're getting to the Turnpike trial. This is the last major trial we're going to cover here. This is
1: where she... Was in the shootout with the guy.
0: Yes, yes. Or with the
1: troopers for the taillight. With the troopers. Definitely for the taillight.
0: It's totally for the taillight. Definitely not like, oh, you look like somebody in my book of bad people. <laughs> <laughs> so, from the gate, some is happening. During jury selection, it was discovered that members of the jury had been purposefully exposed to a book called Target Blue, which is a sensationalist book about the B.L.A., And this is the one that calls out Asada as like the mother hen behind the organization. Like a guy Mm. in the jury was reading it and recommending it to other guys on the jury. (laughs) It was pretty good. (laughs) Wow. So they were dismissed, but don't worry. We're still going to have some fuckery later. Um, Also, this is around the time that Asada realizes that she is pregnant. So there is a mistrial there um, and it picks back up again in 1977. At this point, um, her legal team is struggling to find experts to testify on her behalf because, you know, you're looking for forensics, you're looking for ballistics, and all these guys regularly work with the police. Yeah, yeah. These are even called police sciences. So, like, you can imagine, hard to find someone who is willing to, you know, come to the defense of a very famous supposed cop killer.
1: Makes sense. Yeah.
0: Also, you would have to pay for experts. um, And she had no money initially the court allowed them like the state to pay for it uh, but that order was rescinded later so fucking just very arbitrary
1: (laughs) right no never mind don't actually get to make your defense
0: (laughs) no more shadiness uh one of Shakur's lawyers Stanley Cohen came to visit her and was like I got it we're gonna win I have something's gonna you know I found the fucking missing link or whatever." A few days later, he was found dead with evidence of trauma to his body.
1: Uh, weird.
0: The coroner was, like, giving conflicting stories about the cause of death, and nearly all his legal papers regarding the trial were missing from his house, the only thing taken from the house.
1: That's, that's the uh, smoking gun there, I feel like.
0: <laughs> so, uh, they, the defense team found out that nypd took them as quote evidence the only pieces of evidence taken from the house cool (laughs) and they had to like fight for months to get them back and not all of them were returned including like his big new strategy that he thought was going to win them the case so yeah
1: so he got got
0: he got got for sure
1: (laughs) speaking of the defense attorneys uh, what one wasn't one of the legal team. The guy from the Chicago Eight or the Chicago Seven. Yeah, um, trial? what's his name? Kunstler?
0: Yes, yes. So he had a lot of experience in in fuckery.
1: Yeah, he knew he knew what this was going to be like. I'm mm-hmm. Pretty sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was the lawyers were constantly harassed by the judge, like regularly charging them with contempt of court, and if they would speak positively about Shakur, like in the public, like. They were trying to fundraise for her court case, and like they would get in trouble for that. The defense team figured out that their offices were being bugged and broken into, and motions for an investigation were denied. So <laughs>
1: Nope, not gonna look into that.
0: <laughs> pretty cool. Other motions that got denied Shakur's right to defend herself as co counsel, a change of venue, a review of Harper's police record, and any evidence regarding harassment by COINTELPRO
1: oh they could not submit that evidence they
0: could not submit any of that shit <laughs> pretty cool
1: <laughs> okay yeah
0: uh let's see jury selection it, the hits keep coming a survey done by the defense showed that 83 percent of middlesex county had already heard about the case and 70 percent thought she was guilty <laughs> so cool jury you're definitely gonna do great there
1: yeah the lady um, with signs all over the the town saying that <laughs> she did this thing yeah <laughs> of people think she did.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You should definitely, if if y'all have the time, look at the transcripts for the jury selection and see how this judge like carefully tiptoes around like anything to do with the BLA or the Black Panther Party so that the jury doesn't like show that they're against those things. Like he's like, but you could still like be fair, right? Like he's super leading them on. It's insane. (laughs) Wow. And sure enough on the final jury, This one's crazy. You have two friends, one girlfriend, and two nephews of New Jersey State Troopers.
1: In the did they shoot New Jersey State Troopers trial?
0: Yeah. You have (laughs) fucking, what is it? That's five people out of 12 that are connected to the New Jersey State Troopers.
1: Pretty sure they're neutral people, right?
0: For sure, right? Gotta be.
1: (laughs) But that was, that was cool. They just let that.
0: They just let, that was the final jury. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Okay. Getting into the actual meat of the trial here. According to Shakur, she raised her arms in surrender was shot twice and remained on the ground for the rest of the firefight.
1: Very plausible.
0: I think so based on what we're going to see here. But according to police, she shot at one trooper with like a pistol that she had in her pocketbook. I think kind of cool. Yeah, and, like, she crouched by the car and, like, shot at police.
1: Took cover. That gives you, like, plus four AC.
0: (laughs) For real. Shakur, at the time of her arrest, had in her possession uh, three magazines of ammunition, 16 live shells of ammo, and an ID with, like, a fake name on it. So that's kind of the state's evidence against her.
1: Could have had that for any reason, you know? Just got back from the ammo store.
0: (laughs) Not that I'm aware of. I mean, she was, like going underground as a Black Panther. So, like, I'm not surprised if she had weapons.
1: Yeah. Well, that's not weapons. That's just ammo. You know, anybody could have ammo.
0: So she was also charged with having, like, the the weapons in the car were, like, under her name, I think. And even, so also the the prosecution said, even if she didn't fire a shot, like, under New Jersey law, because she was with people who shot, then she would still be tried for, like, aiding and abetting.
1: For driving them around or whatever.
0: I get Well, she wasn't even driving. (laughs) was in the or Just seat. being
1: with them. Just
0: being there, yeah.
1: Pick your friends better, go into prison.
0: <laughs> For real. Harper, the trooper, admitted to telling a quote, untruth during cross examination, <laughs> but denied that it was a lie. Very smooth. Wish I could get away with that.
1: <laughs> Harper. Come on, man. All right. What did he say that was untrue? I or,
0: I did not find that in, in the book or in my research. So he just admitted
1: knows? Uh, Okay, yeah, that wasn't true. It wasn't a lie, but wasn't true.
0: I guess they caught him in, in some sort of discrepancy.
1: Maybe he was just saying, like, I didn't mean to lie, but yeah, I guess that was wrong.
0: <laughs> I guess. He also did not report the presence of that second trooper that he called in, like, until they got to the scene and, like, saw that he was dead. Like, he never mentioned, like, oh, by the way, <laughs> there's another guy here.
1: Oh, when he calls it in initially, he's just like, come help me yeah then they get there like oh yeah yeah, frankie died i had
0: already called a guy and he's dead so a little weird oh
1: okay well he wanted someone to show up he didn't want to tell him like the last guy that can help me died
0: (laughs) i guess that's true
1: because what if they just leave him to (laughs) leave (laughs) me out to? dude i'm not showing up
0: (laughs) for real a neurologist and a pathologist both testify that Asada could not have shot a gun due to the nerve damage that would have prevented her from physically pulling a trigger because she was shot in the arm and, uh, I think, shoulder, maybe, or back.
1: Oh, she got shot, like... She got shot twice. In the initial... I guess there were there was shooting that happened before the other guy got shot.
0: That's what... So that's the question, is the order of shots. It's okay. like, okay, who shot first? Like, was it, you know, Zaid pulling a gun on the guy who was questioning him? Or what? We're, we're not yeah. really sure.
1: And her argument is, other shots happened that hit me. And so mm-hmm. then the rest of the shots I couldn't have shot.
0: Yes. Uh, at one point, the police are like, well, she could have gotten shot and then turned fully around and then shot back. And the, like someone's like, that is physically impossible. Dude, to- at that
1: point, uh, that's on you. You deserve <laughs> to be shot. Like, you're the cops. If you get shot by a whirl around, you know, 360 <laughs> shot, then, I mean, it's, that's you, dude.
0: Yes. And the damage that occurred could only have happened Because her arms were raised, like the bullet entry and everything showed, like she had her arms up. And neutron analysis, which I guess is some thing they do to find gun residue. um, Oh, okay. None on her her fingers. Just literally no evidence of shooting, like
1: gunpowder residue, basically. Yes, basically. Okay. It's
0: called neutron activation analysis, which is very fancy.
1: That does sound space age,
0: doesn't it? (laughs) But yeah. Forensics also did not find her fingerprints on any of the weapons on the scene. So impressive telekinetic shooting abilities.
1: And there wasn't a, yeah, it's not like she got away with it or something. And they, they captured her right after that. Right. Like, so there's no, oh, I I wiped it all down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. She was like on the ground. Like they got her.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: All that being said, she is convicted on all Eight counts, which is two murder charges and six assault charges. She is sentenced for life. Uh, Her other trials, again, are dismissed.
1: But this one she definitely did. The one one, with the no fingerprints, hands in the air.
0: (laughs) For sure. For sure. So, yeah.
1: All right. Convicted. Doesn't sound like a controversial one at all.
0: (laughs) Totally normal trial. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. November 2nd. 1979 we are at the clinton correctional facility for women in new jersey three bla members show up to visit
1: this is when once she's put in prison right this is
0: once she's put in prison after conviction okay and they draw pistols and a stick of dynamite Ooh, nice they hold two correction officers hostage and demand a van and shakur makes her escape Um, they also had some help from the may 19 communist organization No injuries occurred in the escape attempt.
1: Oh, yeah. I read a little bit about these guys because I saw them them in the Wikipedia write-up. The Mm. May 19th Communist Organization.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they were like part of the Weather Underground, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Associated. I didn't do a deep dive.
1: (laughs) Me neither. I just read a little bit about them. But they apparently this was sort of a thing that they were doing is trying to free political what you know what they would call political prisoners I think in this case at least what we would call political prisoners I think so too in uh, in US prisons
0: the FBI circulated wanted posters and in response people around like New York and places where she had support would hang posters saying uh, Asada Shakur is welcome here
1: <laughs> nice that's that's pretty brave though for real because that's an easy way to get the cops to harass you
0: well that's kind of what happened. So three days after her escape, um, there was a 5,000 person rally carrying signs and everything saying, you know, expressing their support for her. At that rally, there was a statement from Shakur that was kind of circulated around that was calling out U.S. prison conditions um, and calling for an independent new African state. And really, the, the reason this kind of dies down is that police became afraid of Riots, essentially. They're like, this is really bad optics of us like going into poor neighborhoods. Like they were, you know, raiding buildings, knocking down doors, armed with machine guns, like, you know, doing police shit. Yeah. And just inciting huge racial tensions. And they're like, okay, I think maybe we have to cool it.
1: <laughs> oh, they got like embarrassed, basically?
0: Yeah. They got some bad press for doing all that.
1: Huh. Surprising that they backed down.
0: I'm honestly shocked. <laughs> it took a while. Like, it took a couple of years. Shakur hid out in Pittsburgh for a while um, until she flew to the Bahamas and then uh, by 1984 she made it to Cuba and was granted political asylum and the following year her daughter comes to live with her that's where the book ends and it's just very like we made it there have been several extradition attempts over the years people even asking the Pope to to intercede and bring her back during his talks with Fidel Castro in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> Did Which he, is a
1: weird move. Did he even make the case or was he like, nah, that's a little weird?
0: I don't know about his response. I know that Asada wrote to the Pope. So, yeah, I didn't read what she wrote, but I just know that they apparently <laughs> there was a lot of Pope uh, vying.
1: He'll listen to you. You're the Pope. <laughs> in
0: 1998, the media claimed that the State Department was offering to lift the Cuban embargo in exchange for 90 fugitives, including Shakur. I was, it was a media rumor, so I don't know if it's true, but it was like a lot of people. It wasn't just like one guy. Big if true. Well, uh,
1: no, that, they wouldn't do that.
0: They would never do that, and they didn't.
1: I know uh, Cuba wouldn't do that, but uh, like...
0: The U.S. wouldn't do that.
1: I don't think the U.S., yeah, I don't, I don't think they would go through with that.
0: No, there's no way.
1: That's like, that's their deal.
0: It is kind of their whole deal. Because
1: <laughs> well, then what happens if, you know, Cuba all of a sudden doesn't, doesn't have to try to succeed with you while you're strangling it?
0: then they succeed and you look bad. In 2013, the FBI added Shakur to its list of most wanted terrorists. The first woman to be included representation, shattering
1: glass ceilings.
0: (laughs) Her reward uh, was $2 million at the time.
1: That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. She wrote this autobiography while in Cuba and it's a really good read for the patrons. There's several quotes that I pulled out that were, interesting i i'm just gonna say like there's a lot in there and like they're really it's really well written it's really there's just so many fire quotes that like we don't have time to go through them all so like fucking read the book <laughs> yeah do you have any
1: like must-have highlights like your top quote or your top two quotes or something that's like really that you still think about
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um she talks about liberals here you want to talk about want to talk shit about liberals
1: yeah yes yeah you don't have i know to
0: ask. <laughs> i know Okay. I have never really understood exactly what a liberal is, though, since I've heard liberals express every conceivable opinion on every conceivable subject. (laughs) History has shown me that as long as some white middle class people can live high on the hog, take vacations to Europe, send their children to private schools and reap the benefits of their white skin privileges, then they are liberals. But when times get hard and money gets tight, they pull off that liberal mask and you think you're talking to Adolf Hitler. (laughs) They feel sorry for the so-called underprivileged just as long as they can maintain their own privileges.
1: Uh, Very true. (laughs) This reminds me of a, a lyric from a Phil Oaks song called Love Me, I'm a Liberal. Well, it's like part of his little banter beforehand. He says 10 degrees to the left of center. In good times, 10 degrees (laughs) to the right of center, it affects them personally.
0: Totally, totally. (laughs) I met so many freaks like that. (laughs) Let's see, some other ones. Nobody in the world, nobody in history has ever gotten their freedom by appealing to the moral sense of the people who were oppressing them. True. Extremely true. We cannot beg our way out of this.
1: It can be part of, it's not, uh, you know, I wouldn't say like it's useless, but it's not. uh,
0: There's going to be a point. (laughs)
1: right there's got to be something behind that Mm -hmm. you know like the moral demands and things really only work if your opponent thinks that there still has to be something to encourage them To uh, something that they have to avoid like the wrath of the people you know that you can be like hey be a good person whatever but if there's no reason for them to change why are they going to do that
0: well I think this next quote does a good job of explaining that a little more It would burn me up every time somebody talked about black people climbing the ladder of success. Anytime you're talking about a ladder, you're talking about a top and a bottom, an upper class and a lower class, a rich class and a poor class. As long as you've got a system with a top and a bottom, black people are always going to wind up at the bottom because we're the easiest to discriminate against. That's why I couldn't see fighting within the system.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. It's also a question of of those power imbalances or like the hierarchy of it is what you're saying
0: yeah i guess it's saying that like you can't just ask for like we were saying earlier like laws to be mm. changed or better representation or all those things like even though those can be important things as long as you have capitalism as a system and therefore racism as the you know implied system you're gonna have inequality you're gonna have bad things happening and as we saw with Sada story like they're in a fucking treat you like shit once they get you
1: right yeah because you you have somebody with the power to grant you these concessions or these and they can take it away yeah that's the thing is that's what we have to be working to overthrow to smash to you know peacefully reform our way out of or what you know however you want to do it (laughs) that's that's the thing is because if if we get Whatever concessions we wring from them can just as easily be clawed back. That's, I think, our kind of criticism of, like, even social democracy sort of things, is it leaves that power in place.
0: Yeah, and I think there's always going to be a point where they fight back. They're going to say, oh, that's too far.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you get reaction, and then you're standing around looking for somebody to help you, and it's no one there. You, you, you banked everything on appealing to authority to help you and now they're against you
0: okay i want to leave us with one final quote i like this one a lot (laughs) thinking about it a lot if you're deaf dumb and blind to what's happening in the world you're under no obligation to do anything but if you know what's happening and you don't do anything but sit on your ass then you're nothing but a punk
1: (laughs) damn
0: yeah right (laughs) that's true it's true
1: it's like, uh, well, you know, one of the things I think we both <laughs> struggled with in our past religious upbringing or whatever, you know, the notion of people basically being fine and
0: not really. Until condemned. you tell them about Jesus. Yeah.
1: Not really being condemned if, unless they know about it. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. Then they're in trouble. And similar thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that always made me mad. Like, it feels like a prank. Like, ah, now you're going to hell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. But I guess so for us communists. It's a similar thing, though. Once you know... Just
0: can't go back?
1: The way things are fucked up and the way things should be made better, if you don't do anything about it, you're nothing but a punk.
0: Nothing but a punk.
1: You don't have to do everything. I mean, you can be a... You know, there's there's a spectrum of full punk, you know? Then, like, chump, sort of. You do a little bit, but not much. <laughs>
0: You don't have to like fully join a Liberation Army and go underground and all that, necessarily. It's cool if you do.
1: You don't have to allegedly (laughs) rob banks. uh, (laughs) But I would add maybe it's cool if you do. That's uh, I think most people can agree, even if you're not saying, oh, it's kind of cool, like you're expropriating the, the, the capitalist state or whatever, even if you're not even a leftist, most people can still agree that bank robbery is one of like the cooler crimes out there
0: <laughs> oh yeah we as a culture are obsessed with them like they're they live on an in infamy you know like yeah we, we love an outlaw tale
1: so even without the politics of it although i would argue that it's still sort of a politics of like power and versus powerlessness mm-hmm. you know even without that
0: nobody's out here like oh we gotta defend the bank like nobody likes banks yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah everyone in their bones is already like fuck the banks
0: <laughs> yeah like we understand that's a scam right yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: do something don't be a punk punk. (laughs) even if you're just a chump like us and you talk to people about it hey you're doing something you know
0: you're you're doing education that's important
1: and you're waking more people up and giving more people an obligation to avoid punkery and maybe one of them will decide uh to go rob banks or whatever
0: (laughs) be a punk in the cool way
1: (laughs) yeah or go be go get accused of robbing banks shall we say
0: yeah 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 (laughs) so yeah that's what i got today highly recommend this book i read it in just a few days uh it's very accessible i mean it's fucking fire (laughs) uh
1: did you see any anything in your reading or research about uh her life in cuba since like if she
0: um so that was mostly towards like the end kind of like an epilogue section um and she writes about kind of how um how like race is a little different there because like Afro Cubans. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the characterization was like being Cuban was more important than being black. Mm -hmm. And she wrote, she writes a lot about how people didn't believe her when they, she told them about like how bad shit was in the US. Oh yeah. (laughs) They would accuse her of lying, you know, when she talks about people sleeping in the streets and they would say like, it's a rich country. Like, how is that happening?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, you see.
0: (laughs) Mm Hmm. Um, So it's not a ton. It's really only that last chapter, Uh, but it is interesting for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, props to Cuba. For real. To have the menace of the United States (laughs) so close to you, always directly oppressing you and trying to kill your people, trying to overthrow your government and trying to bully you into giving, you know, giving back to them, people who they've been torturing to continuously stand strong against that. Props to you guys.
0: Yeah, very cool. I think she like worked for their like radio station for a while. I oh, don't. She seems happy. I looked up pictures of her in Cuba. She looked happy. <laughs>
1: awesome. Great work. Uh, Thank so you. So you recommend the you recommend wholeheartedly the autobiography.
0: Yeah, I would give it probably five out of five. I mean, it's intense. That's my only thing, and that's not like a. It's a bad thing. It's just like a hey, watch out kind like of thing. Like a content warning thing. <laughs> yes, definitely. All right,
1: uh, what are we doing next week?
0: I'm watching a movie.
1: Oh, nice, relaxing movie talking about the end of the world.
0: <laughs> well, it's relaxing because we don't have to do any work about it, really. <laughs> uh,
1: but it's all—it's—it's it's a comedy, too, a lighthearted, satirical look at the end of the world. Uh, we're going to be watching a classic. You're going to be surprised that one of us has not seen this yet
0: watch okay here's the thing guys i didn't watch a movie that was not a cartoon until i was like 13 so (laughs) (laughs) i missed out on a lot of classics
1: fair enough and now the giveaway is it's christine who has not seen this uh that's (laughs) dr strange love
0: i know that it gets referenced a lot that's that's it that's all i know
1: (laughs) i'll watch it again but we'll watch it and uh talk about it
0: cool uh streaming options for that
1: Hmm. Good question. Oof! Take to the high seas.
0: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta rent or buy. Yeah. My
1: initial Google says rent or buy. I've seen it on streaming things before, though. So, let's say you're you're listening to this at a later time, definitely check it out. But you could, you could always just obtain it from a friend, a friend that you meet online randomly, maybe. <laughs> uh,
0: However you consume it, we're not going to judge you.
1: It's out there.
0: (laughs) It's around.
1: Find it however you find it. It's a good movie, though. So, I mean, if you want to buy it, it's not like you're an asshole.
0: Cool. I will talk to you then.
1: All right. See ya.
0: Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email that's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, You can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts. Or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at T Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.